0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Robinson, and this week, for the first time ever, I am joined by Ben Mandelker, the opinionated gamer. First time ever because we have never done an episode just you and I together, Ben, and I'm so happy we are doing it today. Welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you so much. I dressed up in a tuxedo for this occasion. It's very special. I'm in a full ball gown oh wow this is yeah we're gonna we're gonna dance a waltz with teacups watching us
0: <laughs> one of those dances where like our hands are barely touching and they're like up like i don't know some sort of like german dance thing i'm picturing in my head clearly I don't know what this vision is there's a lot of chemistry it's on amazing. the dance floor yeah how are you ben how is uh how is your new year how's your january Uh, Well, I mean, January is already off to a rollicking interesting start. I mean, right. I I haven't (laughs) checked the news in two weeks. Is there anything crazy happened? Um, just some casual, just a few things, just a few, you know, like some cash insurrectionism happening. Just cash insurrectionism.
1: You know, maybe some maybe some light violations of social distancing rules at the Capitol. Just but
0: sedition going on very yeah. very relaxing for everyone.
1: very, very chill. actually, honestly, like one of one of the joys that has happened over the past month is that I've actually played a huge number of games with you. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've really been like we have been doing the the ballroom dance together with these games. It's been like
0: very frequent, and it's been a joy of total joy. Oh, I'm so glad you think so. I agree completely. It's been, I've, uh, the, the, the sort of Christmas break I've gotten from, uh, an intense workload has given me a chunk of time most days to try to get a, an hour or two game in if I can. And you've sort of been my main gaming partner for that. It's been really nice. And it's sadly, I delight. think, I think it's over. Because <laughs>
2: okay.
0: My, my, wow. my insane workload, uh, starts on Monday. So, um, yeah. But, so. you know, I'm really hoping that we'll be able to find some time, but it it's uh yeah it's gonna we're gonna go it. our separate ways. this is like a this like, <laughs> I feel like is this like our red
1: table talk where we like talk <laughs> about like the journey of our relationship? It's been great, and now we both have to
0: move on, yeah, exactly, yeah, it might just be that, okay, um. But yeah, uh, Happy New Year to you and um, to everybody listening out there. I hope you're all safe and um, socially distanced and far away from the city of D.C. Uh, and <laughs> not did not travel Canada. there this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, today we are going to be reviewing. Uh, oh, this is, oh, I didn't even say. This is round 10, turn four. Uh, and today we're going to be reviewing a classic with a new spin. This is the Hansa teutonica big box hansa or hansa which one do you say ben well
1: since i'm not from the midwest i say hansa teutonica
0: Han- hansa teutonica it, it's funny like that's that a, a, a very it is southern tricky. name <laughs> y'all play hansa teutonica hansa? or something. <laughs> uh, however you pronounce it this is the the latest release of Hansa, Hansa, Teutonica uh, <laughs> with every possible expansion in the box, which is lovely because even the base game has been uh, very hard to get for many, many years and the expansions, nigh impossible, I say, to get. So for the first time um, ever, yeah. Hansa Hanza fans can get everything they want for this wonderful game and we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. We are also doing a topic that I love. This was Ben's idea and I, I, I'm obsessed with it. This is top 10 games that we want to go deep with yeah. in 2021, not not the top 10 games we're excited to play in 2021. These are games that we've probably played a lot. That we've decided enough of the hot newness. I want to mm-hmm. get deep with this game. Yeah, I want to get to know this game. I want to. I want to like.
1: I want to like. I want to write a very like deep message to
0: this game and be like, girl. I want to get to know you. <laughs> I want people to groan when I ask them to play it with me. I want them yeah. to go, you have a problem with this game. You you need to stop. There are other games out there. And I go, I, I would like to bring the jury's attention back to this podcast and remind you that I wanted to go deep.
1: Yeah, I want, I want this game. I want to be like, hey, game, we're going to go out and get coffee. And the game to be like, I thought this was going to be a one night stand. I'm like, no. <laughs> We're
0: getting hot. Like, this is moving too fast for me. I'm mildly uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want I want the game to be pleasantly surprised by how I want to get to know the game for its personality and not just for its, you know, its its appearance.
0: <laughs> um, well uh I think we're gonna have a lot of fun today, and I'm very excited uh for a new year. And a new president and a new year of maybe some COVID vaccines and maybe at some point seeing my friends in person and playing a game with them. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Let's get into this week's game night. Ben, what games have we played together this
1: week? <laughs> I feel like we played a million. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. We have played – we played some haunts at Teutonica getting ready for this, uh, this review. And I, I do want to mention it was kind of a noteworthy play, one of them. Uh, we played with uh, Paul. We, we played with Jesse, but we also played with Paul. Yeah. And I believe it was the Paul session where uh, – while we were playing, we were simultaneously learning that the capital
0: <laughs> was being yeah. besieged,
1: and it was this weird thing where we were we were prioritizing Hansa Teutonica over now, like you know U.S. history. Um, so that was significant. And I uh, would be
0: like, all right, action one, I drop a cube here. Action two, I drop a cube here. Oh, they're in the Capitol building. Action three, yeah, I'm going like to uh, place a traitor. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm
1: going to displace these traders here, and they are in the
0: rotunda. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm, uh, I'm going to displace your cube here, and uh, there is a gallows being built outside the Capitol <laughs> building. Uh, ben, it's your turn.
1: <laughs> it's like very serious news, but we're like, no, but there is a – there is a – we have to review this for the podcast so we must go Mm -hmm. on with what we're doing um so we we did that um i um for my i will say this this is something that is like a badge of honor for me that i think matters to very few people (laughs) but um uh over the last like week of the year i got in six 18xx games which is like craziness uh i'm really happy about this because uh, it started with Jennifer. We played a game of 1860 together in an afternoon which we had a very I, I really had a fun time with it um but we decided ultimately this might not be our favorite 18XX. Mm-hmm. Um and then um I introduced some friends to 18 Chesapeake um and they're not even hardcore friends like oh I mean I mean they're they're hardcore friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, I don't even like them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they're not like hardcore gamers, right? Like these are these are like generally this is like we're we're playing castles of burgundy you know um and they loved it and so we actually played 18 chesapeake two nights in a row and then we played it again like a like a, a night two nights later and then they were like let's play some other ones so we played 18 mechs and then we played 1889 so it was just like this this all this 18xx all on uh 18xx.games games. Um, and I, it's, it's been such a fun, it's been such a delight to be able to play these games. And, um, I also think it's, it's cool because it's kind of pushing back against this notion that 18xx is reserved for, for this elite group of gamers or crusty gamers who like don't have fun and don't see daylight, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's more accessible I think than maybe it's reputation, um. Uh, allows it for allows it to be yeah. however at least at the at that level I also admit we are playing sort of intro 18xx's but still I think
0: it, it's fair it's I mean, a fair they're thing still real 18xx regardless of yeah the intro. I mean yeah um, so the only thing to me that stops me from playing more 18xx is that to me I, I just always assume I need a whole day H- how long are your games taking on average of course it's different for each game but like yeah. basically wh- where are you at with that um, I mean they're long, they don't it's not a whole day
1: affair. It, it's it's a but it is definitely like a four-hour affair. But right. um um you can like we'll we'll start at like 730 and be done around um anywhere between <laughs> well, it'll be done probably around eleven thirty, twelve, twelve thirty. So it is definitely like a big game, but it's not like a Twilight Imperium lock off the whole day. It's definitely a play it's, it, a long it, night. It's, a, it's a night that's a long night but also it's yeah. it's you can always just like stop and come back the next day you know right true that true that yeah so uh I totally um I totally encourage people if you're curious about it dive in with 18 Chesapeake. it's way more accessible than you think and the um the the interface makes it really easy to sort of dive into it.
0: Well, that may or may not be on my list of games I want to get deep into. I know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, other good. things. Well, we, we played a, a fun game of Darwin's Journey, or at least I thought it was fun. What did you think about it? Um, You know, it was a game. It was uh, a <laughs> so this know? is the new the new big box game from Simone Luciani and Nestor mangoni uh, art by Paolo voto these are I mean we all know who Simone Luciani is this is this is the the uh, the Italian uh, group of designers this is in a lot of ways the spiritual successor to Newton and um, and it's on Kickstarter right now. We're going to get into that in the news, but we played it uh, the, uh, as a part of their Kickstarter. They put up a uh, very nice mod for it on mm-hmm. TTS, and Elder was kind enough to teach it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was, uh, I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I was so excited when when we when I saw the board. I was like, this looks amazing. And when Elder taught us the rules, I was like, oh, so cool. Like this, this, and that. And when we started playing the first round, I thought it was, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Look at all these decisions. Oh, this is really cool. And then the second round, I was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. And then the third round, I just started to be like, wait a second. I don't think I actually like this. Mm. (laughs) And then um, it was more like, um, it just felt like at a certain point, I, I was so many mechanisms just put together and yes, they all work together and there were interesting choices, but it wasn't, I I ultimately stopped caring. It was a really weird thing. And I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm having such a bad time. I was, I I was having a fine time, but I didn't care about literally anything I was doing.
0: It was weird. Do you think that could change with further plays or do you feel like you're, you're kind of locked in with your opinion on it? Um, I'm all
1: theoretically and you know, anything could change with further plays, but, um, it's I, I think it's gonna be a moment before I come back to it. Uh I just it did not it just did not sing to me at all. It yeah. just, it felt like every it's like, okay, I gotta do this. Oh, that costs like three dollars. Oh, so I gotta do this and that costs something. And it felt like everything was like a thing that you had to do and just sort yeah. of drove me nuts.
0: Yeah, I get that. I'm I'm more into it than you are. I'm excited to try it again. It was a very long game yeah. with a long teach. It's a it's a heavy game. Um really heavy. but I, I I backed it I'm excited. I'm glad we got a play-in of it. Um what else? Um I've been doing a lot of digital gaming as well. The Terraforming Mars app has added Prelude in, as really? we discussed in the news recently, and it is amazing. It's oh, okay finally worth getting i feel like it is night and day between the last build of that app which was an absolute disaster and barely worked and like quit on you all the time and games were playing online was nigh impossible uh there is still not a fun little game you have to play in terms of like adding your friends and starting games but once a game has started trey and i played a whole bunch of games that were really fun. And I mean, I would never play terraforming Mars without prelude to me. It's that is the game. And I think it is an incredible game with prelude. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend people do that. Oh, and and me, uh, add me with that because uh, I have that app and I haven't played
1: it in a while. And I, I love terraforming Mars. I yeah, really so love it. So.
0: Prelude's like a $2 addition to it. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, please. I would, you, me and Trey need to get some games. And I also think it's a really good game. If we just jump on discord and play live, it's not maybe the most suited, for um not asymmetrical what's the word i'm looking for asynchronous play because Mm -hmm. you know like drafting it's just like it just takes a while you know if people aren't checking their phone all the time or their ipad regularly like you're just like okay i choose this card two hours later wait what was i doing like uh, that could be a little annoying in a draft um but uh but it's good with two player if like you know you're on your ipad all day like trey and i were last week um you know yeah i think it's go ahead yeah, I was going to say the the one thing with that app that sort of drove me nuts was
1: actually that um they kind of changed the iconography for the cards, so um it's not a thing where like when you get a card it looks just like it does in the board game. You kind of have to like relearn the 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 app's icons
0: and I I thought that was kind of annoying. Not a not a barrier to entry. I wonder but, if they you know. changed that then because I I didn't that I never noticed I'm that. To me I thought they were exactly the same cards, but maybe I'm okay. going to look right now. I'm going to look. Yeah. I'm going to look and I will confirm. Maybe I'm talking out of my butt as usual. Um, let's see. Paul and I played Doom Imperium. We got our first Doom, Doom Imperium. We got our first play of that in. Uh, we are going to be reviewing that in a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and I've been playing Under Falling Skies, which is a new solo only game from CGE. That's basically campaign space invaders, the, the puzzle. Um, and it's really enjoyable. It's really fun. It's uh, it's just straight up a puzzle that you have to solve with dice worker, pl- dice worker placement, solo only space invaders. Um, but it's super cool. It's, okay. A, it's rare that you get a solo only game that has like, not a legacy campaign cause you can keep playing it, but a legacy in the sense of like you complete a chapter and, and you, the next chapter is like hidden and you, you have to open it. And then like, you see what you're up against and it's cool. It's totally replayable multiple times, but I don't know if you're a solo gamer out there. It's definitely look, worth looking into. Okay. Yeah. That sounds cool. Anything else you play of note before we move into the news? Uh, yeah,
1: I played some games. I played uh, Merv, I played Merv with Paul, which was, which was fun. I'm like, um, uh, I like Merv. I like it. It's, it is, I feel like it's. It, it, I enjoy that the decisions are really tough in it, yeah. um, uh, but uh, there's something. It's one of those games that it's like I think it's fun when I play it. The decisions are tough, but then when I'm done playing it, it sort of like doesn't stick with me. Like it's sort of like out of sight, out of mind. You know?
0: Yeah, I've played it probably four times now, and I, I put it on my cell pile. I think we'll review it at some point because it's it's worth talking about. But I, I wanna I may want to do a whole episode about fun. I know Dimitri mm. sort of cornered that market, but I, I I don't know why it's not fun for me. It should be on paper. There's nothing about it that like I look at games that are fun and then I look at that and I'm having a very hard time deciding what is different. But I, I'm not I, I, think, yeah. I yeah, I'm not having fun when I'm playing it. So I think I think there's like
1: a, there some games have an X factor and I think that's gonna be a really interesting episode because um, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot like with all these T games that came out this year. Yeah. I didn't find any of them to be fun and I um, I just felt like they were mechanics. And I've always been someone who loves mechanics and usually mechanics are tied with fun for me, but I'm starting to realize that there is an X factor about um, a, about games. And uh you know, why is it that that certain games that can just be just loads of fun and they have very few mechanics, and then some games kind have all the interesting mechanics in the world, like Darwin's journey, and they're not as fun. It's almost as if it's survival of the fittest
0: of the funnest yeah, right Darwin's yeah. journey. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very weird. Like with movies or books or music, I feel like I can very easily tell why I like something or why I don't. But I don't have that same instant sort of discernibility when it comes to board games. I feel like of being like, I don't, I can't really quite tell you why I don't do or don't like this as much.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know if that X factor is something in the game. Is it something in the presentation? Because I actually think that presentation, I used to think like, who cares about presentation? If the game's good, the game's good. But actually, I think presentation uh, is something that can engage us in ways yeah. that, that, can, that can bring that X factor. I think actually Wingspan, not to turn this into the member segment or something, but like Wingspan is a great example of um, I think one of the reasons why Wingspan has that X factor is because it's lovely to look at those birds and to yeah. look down and see your birds and to talk about the little fun facts on all those bird cards. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. All right, let's jump into the news.
1: Good
2: evening, Mr. Mr. North of South America. All the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to
0: press. Fly. Ben, do you, uh, you mess with slay the spire?
1: You know, I was just thinking about messing with slay the spire because I don't actually know anything about it but um I uh, I'm just finishing up my hollow Knight experience and
0: I might be, mm. might be time to move on to a new video game well those are two of the best Indies ever made uh, and I think you should do that so slay the spire the hit massive hit phenomenon of uh, deck building uh, roguelike video games designed by I shall say 2x I don't know if I can say professional but big time netrunner players uh, maybe were they netrunner designers I don't know they were big in the netrunner world and then they made slay the spire um and now somebody out there called Contention Games, which is a uh, board game publisher I am not familiar with, uh, which has only made a game called Imperium the Contention, which is a game I've also never heard of, uh, somehow got the rights to Slay the Spire, and it's coming to Kickstarter in spring 2021, and that is literally all we know about it. Mm-hmm. I, I hope it is nothing like Slay the Spire or the video game, because I don't need a board game of Slay the Spire or the video game, because it's... It's a guard game. There's nothing that I can think of that a board game would do better that just mirrors the experience of Slay the Spire. So mm. I I would really like them to find uh, something new to explore. And I would imagine they would. If they're just going to try to turn the video game into a board game, I, why would I just play the video game? It's going to be much faster and better. And a well, lot- but maybe there's... Like-
1: Maybe the human component is actually what makes it different. Maybe playing against a, a
0: human that's like right there with you, there's just. Yeah. You, you, it's funny. That, I just. There,
1: I, that's another X factor there. I like just the assumed human.
0: this would be a co op, but you're right. Maybe it's not. Yeah. That could be interesting. Well, I mean,
1: I don't know. I, I know nothing about Slay the Spire. So I, I, I'm just like, I'm just assuming that if you're sitting with a human being at a table, yeah. it automatically is actually a different experience than um, playing online, even if you have a headset. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool, and and I, I I mean, if they can do a PvP slay the spire, that'd be really fun, and I'd be in for that. Um, so yeah, I'm obviously excited to see what they do with it. Um, I love the IP. It's one of the it's one of the few video games I've ever bought a T-shirt for. <laughs> 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 like, I, I really wow. love the I love the world. I have a slay the spire T-shirt wow. that I love to wear. Wow. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, it's <laughs> awesome. I love that the is- IP.
1: That is my new favorite. Like, <laughs> what's the right word? Is rubric or whatever? That's the my new favorite. Like tier of of loving a game. It's like yeah. I got the T shirt. <laughs>
0: I got the T shirt. <laughs> like that's the and new. One. I will. I'm not ashamed to wear the T shirt
1: while I play the game. It's okay. I got a Twin Peaks T shirt when they did the reboot on Showtime. What can I say? Well,
0: that's yeah. That's. <laughs> Uh, next up in news um, this is so funny because I literally bought a copy of this uh, two weeks ago Uh, they have announced a new edition of Glass Road coming in June or July of 2021 Uh, this is a little confusing because uh, Capstone Games is now the US publisher of Glass Road and their edition is going to be coming out in like April or something I think and now Fjordland Spiel uh, is publishing sort of a new edition, which I think is going, is just going to be sort of almost like the hands of big box. It's just, it's just glass road with all the promos. There's mm-hmm. never been expansion for glass road with all the impossible to get promos that were released over the years. Um, and, uh, some new stuff that, for use in the uh, solo version of the game. Um, so I'm not sure how that's going to differ from Capstone's version as well. It's a little confusing. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, but either way, I just always think it's funny when I buy a copy on eBay for an inflated price, and then like a week later, they announce the new edition. Yeah, that's fun how that works out, you know. Um, You
1: actually introduced me to Glass Road um, Uh, a few weeks ago. Well, actually, another thing that happened over this Christmas break, in addition to playing all these 18xx games... um, I played a lot of Juve Rosenberg games with you, like a lot. I think
0: that's my fault. That is my fault, and we're going to definitely get deep into that in our uh, our guest segment today because I have I have a, a Uwe uh, problem these days. It was Go fun, ahead. but at
1: a certain point, I was like,
0: I need to not play a Juve Rosenberg
1: game. Today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was broke like, you. I was like, it wasn't. It just wasn't even a breaking. It was just like there are other games I just want to like just like sort of like layer into this mix for just for like one day. But, um, but that being said, I was thinking that there should totally be like in, like a, a semi-regular segment where we like chime in about Juve Rosenberg and you can mm-hmm. call it Juve Ought to Know. Ought <laughs> <laughs> oh, to Know. Yeah.
0: Um, segment really know. just to have a pun, just to have a pun on the show. That's it. That, uh, some podcasts are worth having just for the pun. <laughs> just for the pun. A Juve Auto Know segment. <laughs> um yeah. I taught you both Glass Road and Newsford, which are his and sort of aura, knife fight. And, and, right, yes. But 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 Glassroad and Newsford are very similar they're both his like hour long knife fight in a foam booth games. Which of those two did you prefer? Um Newsford. I liked more
1: yeah. I really like Newsford a lot. I would yeah, like to play too. it again. Um, yeah, but it's uh, funny cuz it was like it was literally like like it was like Newsford one day, Glass Road or Labora. Yeah, I know. Um so <laughs> it was just like um,
0: uh, there's a, there a lot of Hallertau mixed in there too.
1: And then there was a lot of Hallertau and uh, but I'm going to get you back cuz I'm going to force you to play Fields of Arl. Oh, and I want to I, get all I want. lowlands. Lowlands is yes. not a UV Rosenberg game, but it's UV Rosenberg approved. Like he's like, he was like a consultant on it. Oh, I love it. And that. it's super cool. Uh, it's like Juve Rosenberg, but with um, you know the threat of
0: like mass sheep death. So oh, yeah. amazing. As opposed yeah. to mass sheep slaughter, which is something. No, this that is happens in this Howard. is a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, this is not sh- this is not sheep slaughter. This is like you were too lazy to build a dike and you let all your
0: sheep get flooded away in the ocean. Oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. I'm into that. Um next up in the news, we talked about it briefly. Darwin's journey is on Kickstarter right now. It has already gained over half a million dollars, which is insane for yeah. a heavy board game, but um, that's, that's, good. Good that's the it. board game world we live in these days um, you've got about two weeks left to back it go check it out if you love Simone Lucione uh, which I know many of our listeners do it's definitely worth a look if you like Newton it's definitely worth a look um, it's uh, 45 euro for the base and then there's a fancy collectors for 70 um, definitely go check that out you got two weeks to make your decision and the mod is on TTS and the rules are complete um, next up is uh, is a uh, a solo game i've I've always sort of liked uh, uh, Dan Verson games is it I think it's Dan Verson right DVG games they make uh, pretty heavy war games. Um, they had a game called Phantom Leader that I played a few years ago, which is basically like a jet fighter simulation running mission solo game um but i'm always interested when they come out with a new one they have one called t34 coming out uh on kickstarter i think it's maybe their first or second kickstarter summer 2021 t34 leader world war ii ground combat solitaire strategy game yada 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 but if you like very heavy solo war games um they're sort of the cream of the crop in my opinion Mm -hmm. um we spoke about wingspan earlier you said that the mise-en-scene of Wingspan was one of the uh, leading factors to its enjoyment. Well, people agree with you. Um, There is a book coming out called celebrating birds An interactive field guide. And it is, it is a book featuring art from Wingspan. This is not art taken from a book and put into Wingspan. This is art taken from a board game and put into a book. I think that's great. This is this is, and it's not just a collection of art from the board game. This is a book about birds. This is a book about learning about birds. It's an interactive field guide. You take it out with you into the field, as they say, out into the the. I don't know what I've heard rumors of it, but I guess there's stuff outside of your house still, uh, and there might I guess there's like birds out there or something, and you could have this book and look at it, and now all that lovely art from the cards. Uh, will be used to help you find these birds in this quote unquote outside world that people are talking about
1: that's super cool you know because I definitely found myself more interested in birds after playing wingspan totally. you know and i think I think that's like a great i think that's a great aspect of a, of a game where you become more interested in things based off of playing the game and i'm I'm actually surprised on, about how much random ancillary tidbits I've picked up from oh, gaming. Yeah. Like oh, all yeah. over the place, it comes in such strange places, you know. Like even Hansa Teutonica, like that. That now I know that there was some strange Han, hanseatic League, you know. Like I never knew that, <laughs> and Teutonica, now it, like yeah, it, yeah and, it, and it just like will pop up in the most random time, and I'm like, I learned it yeah. from a board game. So I think this is oh, a yeah. great,
0: great like extension I mean. of that. That's one of my favorite things, especially with historical-based games, is then wanting to learn more about that era and reading a book on it. I've done that with so many board games. Um, This will be available wherever books are sold, April 6th, 2021. You don't have to kickstart it. You don't have to wait five years. April 6th, in your Barnes & Noble or wherever the heck you buy books anymore. God knows where anybody buys a book. Uh, But yeah, Celebrating Birds. An interactive guide. I bet a lot of birders. Is that what they're called? Birders. Birders. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of birders have been created. It's fun to say birders. A lot of birders. birders have, it sounds very aggressive. A lot birders. of birders have been created from wingspan, um, and 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 the, and the activity they partake in is called birding. Birding. It's very fun. Birding. Yeah. Not to be confused with bird box, which is or apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Or uh, burners. <laughs> burners what people do the burning man. Right, that's true. Don't confuse them. There could be a Venn diagram that. of those, though. You they know? hate when you confuse. They get very upset. <laughs> uh, next on Kickstarter is... This is an interesting one. Uh, Travis D. Hill, a, uh, a, a man more known for uh, TTRPG design, uh, has made a foray into board games. If he's made other board games I don't know about, I apologize. Uh, and uh, this is a part of the... Uh, The 100 copy challenge or uh, it's some sort of thing happening on Kickstarter where people are making a game and only having to make 100 copies of that game. Um, The game is called Card Rails. It's a 54-card cube rails game. So we're talking 18xx adjacent, cube rails adjacent, but the only components are wooden cubes and uh, a deck of 54 cards. Uh, And the deck of 54 cards look a lot like a 18xx board when they're laid out. Um, Travis made 100 copies available. They sold out, of course, in minutes. Um, so if you didn't get one of those, you'll never get one again. He said, that's it. And it's not a ploy for, uh, FOMO creation. This is, uh, literally he says, uh, he's getting his master's degree, um, and does not have time to do more. And this is all he wants. And this is, this is the challenge. There's, it's a part of the hundred copy challenge or something happening. And that's just what it is. So don't, don't feel sad that you didn't get one. Feel happy that he made a hundred uh and <laughs> if you really want to play it for uh six dollars you can pledge and get the print and play cards and you can print your own and find oh, okay your own, all you? right all uh, right uh, i was so, wondering
1: whether okay because i was wondering i was like here's a piece of news there was a game that was made and you can't get it and you never will yeah
0: on. yeah and he's, <laughs> he's 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 making 100 copies for 20 bucks but for six bucks you can get your own you can make your own copy okay and, you know, all it's right pretty there's there's lots of places that will print a deck of cards for you and Pretty easy to get some cubes. So I don't think there's a huge difference. That sounds cool. Um, but yeah, you know, cool thing. Um, looks interesting, maybe worth checking out and uh, making your own copy because the hundred are gone. Um bada bing, bada boom. Next up is uh okay, this is a game that I love. Have you played Taverns of Tiefenthal? I have. Um, but you know what? The, believe it or not, I've actually only played at its
1: most basic form. I, Ugh, haven't that's added a bad, I don't like that game. Oh, no, I, thought I thought it was delightful. I thought it was delightful. And my friend and I, I played with a, with a friend and we're like, okay, um, we'll we'll play it with all the mods added. And it was like a last minute thing where we were like, what should we play? And we saw it on Tabletopia. And so I read through rules quickly and I just didn't have the patience to read through all yeah. the rules for the mods. Oh, uh no, no, no. I, was I love it with even with basic all the mods. I, okay.
0: It, it's okay it's okay but once you play with all the modules you'd be like i never want to play the other game again okay. i love it i adore it we have we're putting it on our list of games to play on uh tabletopia as soon as possible because it's a lovely lovely it's my favorite deck builder i would say um but anyway the first expansion ever is coming for it Uh, It's called uh, Zimmer Fry. And I don't know what that means in German, but someone will tell us, I'm sure. Mm. Um, Due out in May 2021. I don't even care what it's about. I'm buying it immediately. Uh, Innkeepers give players individual skills that might influence their strategy in the game. And the mayor will reward players when you help him to develop his town into a tourist center. So I guess there's a mayor who now wants you not only to make your tavern, the greatest tavern in town, but also to help his town as well. And his is in quotations because it doesn't need to just be a man. That's the mayor. That's right. That is right.
1: Uh, Zimmer fry means rooms vacant, or I guess it's basically like, you know,
0: vacancy, like come, okay. come to our, come to our inn. Yeah. It's a tavern and with an inn now. Yes, exactly. So do taverns are taverns inns or are they, there's a tavern just the, the, where you get the, the liquor. The beer the meat no, that's, that's a good question
1: because i kind of felt like the inn already encompassed kind of the tavern portion i, did, maybe well, I, I thought tavern the tavern just, had an inn yeah yeah i don't know i think we'll i think there's like a spectrum of
0: tavern this is a good wavelength question tavern or in <laughs> <laughs> tavern or in and we're we're right in the middle here <laughs> down the middle. what the heck is it <laughs> yeah which is uh, uh, ironic
1: it's wolfgang warsh's game also
0: yes uh, god bless him um, and a last bit of news, this is some personal news here, uh, personal to our podcast here. Jennifer Schlickburn, the game pioneer, the pioneer herself, has become a member of the International, Gamers Awards. What is the International Gamer Awards, you ask? The International Gamers Awards were founded in 1999 for the express purpose of recognizing outstanding games, their designers, and the companies which publish them. The awards have gained widespread acclaim and have helped bring these outstanding games to the public's attention. More information can be found at internationalgamerawards.net. But this is a very prestigious group of, uh, you know, tabletop professionals or um experts as jennifer definitely is and i'm so glad that she was voted in uh and nominated to be a member of this and the, they gave the uh the best strategy game this year went to barrage so hmm. they've got some good taste over there congratulations yeah jennifer is so connected
1: in board games it's crazy like if you were to say oh i really like chess you'd be like oh yeah i know the
0: guy who made chess <laughs> she, <laughs> <laughs> she knows everyone yeah she'd be like i met him at essen yeah, yeah, oh, yeah he's great he's lovely <laughs> she probably she probably would have designed a mod for it it's <laughs> an expansion that's very exciting for her very very exciting. um absolutely congratulations and uh, i'm so glad she's on there and they're lucky to have her uh let's move on to what's on that beautiful brain of yours ben Well, gosh, uh, random
1: weird things like I want to play Panamax again. I haven't played it in forever. Yeah, I've been wanting to play that low. I mentioned I just mentioned Lowlands. I've been wanting to play Lowlands because um, uh, 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 because Paul has never played. I know you haven't played it, but this game is like so made for Paul. And I just can't wait to see his brand of like of like anarchic gameplay. Like coming to fruition in, in yeah. lowlands. So it's been really something I've been wanting to, to play to see how, how it would work with you guys. Um and actually, you know what? Last night I played Modern Art with some people. Uh I forgot to mention for game night, but um reminded me how good and how fun that game is. It's just it's yeah. so great. I don't know. I've got like I don't have any I don't have too many oh 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 Praga. Praga cap it regni. 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 Um that's on my brain. Uh I'm so <sighs> I pre-ordered it from Board Game Bliss because they are really good about game, getting games in quickly. Um, and then you're like, "Just so you know, it's also at Filbert." And I was like, "Yeah, I could get it at Filbert, but I was lazy and I didn't get it at Filbert." So then I was like, "It's okay, it's gonna come. It's not like I'm going anywhere." But now, like, the game is available on Amazon, and I could just like, buy it on Amazon and have it here on Tuesday. Yeah, that's and I'm like, worst. "How long do like?" But then I'm, I'm worried that the moment that I ordered on It'll Amazon, probably, it's
0: probably shipping as we speak. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm gonna get like a, I'm gonna get a notification like, congratulations, your game is on the way. So now I'm like,
0: uh Praga. Well, you could order it from Amazon, and then as long as you don't open it, you can easily return it to Amazon.
1: Yeah, I, I also decided I can also just like not be a ridiculous, <laughs> not person. be a monster. <laughs> I can not be a monster and just like wait <laughs> because I'm literally not. I'm not playing it with anyone. I'm not seeing anyone. So, but what are I,
0: you I, really gonna do? You're just you're gonna get it from Amazon, right? No, I'm gonna. I'm
1: just like exercising patience. But now I'm I, actually because it gives me something to fixate on and get mad about.
0: Yeah. And I like yeah, now the <laughs> the official mod or, or or officially approved mod is on tabletop simulator, and I'm gonna teach it to you very soon. I can't wait. Very, very soon. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, that's what's on my on my brain. Yeah. Um, well, on my brain is a new hot game called Agricola.
2: <gasps>
0: yeah. Uh, it's not new and it's not hot, but it is Agricola. And I so it's all started with Hallertau and I've gone on this obsessive, I want to play more uva rosenberg games and i want i only want to play uva rosenberg games lately i don't know what happened i've I've always liked agricola like when i first got into the hobby it was all tom's group played it was like the main game they were playing constantly Mm -hmm. and i have to be honest wasn't a fan um because i would just get whomped because they had been playing it for years and they knew every card and they knew all the meta and like I was pretty new to the hobby and had played like four games and they put a hand of 14 cards in your hand and they're like draft. And I'm like, I hate these cards. I don't know. I I don't even want to read 14 cards, let alone like have to figure out how to make combos. Like I don't, this is too much for me. It genuinely overwhelmed me. And I felt like screw this game. I don't like it. And now I have, matured <laughs> i have uh become a, a beautiful butterfly via chrysalis and i i now love agricola um and i have this like weird thing where i had like this whole 2021 is going to be to me i know everybody says this in january of every year when they're a board gamer but they're like this year i'm going deep not wide but i i really i really want to do that i really want this to be a year about not new games but getting really good at Games that I love, and not not getting good for the sake of winning, but getting good for the sake of, um, you know, getting as much juice from the squeeze as I can. Mm.
1: Yeah, Agricola is great. Um. Uh. It's one of the first board game apps I I I, I purchased. I actually um have played it very rarely in person. I, I've and I've only played it. I think I've actually only played it in person uh twice and both times were two player games maybe three times i've never had like more which i know changes it tremendously but um i actually think it's sort of strange i actually don't own it and i i feel like i should i think it's i think it's still his best game i think that all the other he's had really fun games but agricola is kind of i i i think like he has a lot of really fun interesting games agricola just sort
0: of just gets everything right well, I hate to cost you money, but so the the new Agric there's a revised edition of Agricola which all of the the the, the big Agricola players have moved on to. Um, Lumen Sperling, who's been on our podcast before, is one of the top-ranked Agricola players and Agricola Gr- champions in the world. Uh, we had him on and we had a long talk about this a while ago. You can go back to find that episode where we do a deep it. dive into Agricola. Um but yeah, um revised has sort of taken over as the main game although of course everybody's still playing eik which is considered the you know that's the original deck the e i and k decks mixed together um and, and other decks that have put out since but um revised is wonderful first of all the art is gorgeous it's just a better looking version of the game and then uva himself went through and um sort of did a uh, a pruning of the deck um, to take out the swingy cards to take out, um, to fix some of the, to throw in some new cards and kind of made a smaller and uh, better core box experience for for players. Um, and not just for newbie players, not just for like families and, and people who want a simpler version, but like a more competitive game as well. Um, and I think it's really worth uh, investing in that new version, even if you have the old one trying to maybe pass yeah, off I the old one it. as well.
1: I you know they I will, also, have, uh, I will get They it. have
0: A B C and D decks um which are uh the D deck is coming out this uh this month I believe uh, I pre-ordered it um but yeah look, just there you know these are uh, there are definitely opinions about uh the quality of some of the uh, expansion decks that have come out since especially I've heard D is a little swingy um but uh, there are there look like the app is not great the Agricola app is, I like is the not app
1: great. wait Wait. Well, it, wait a second. Wait a second, Matthew Robinson. What do you say about this app?
0: The app is actually broken, Ben. Unfortunately, um, it will erase sheep. Uh, it will not breed properly. Um, it's it's actually just broken, and nobody is fixing it. Oh, um, I, I haven't during, played
1: the app in a while. Okay.
0: Yeah. During during sheep harvesting, uh, during the harvest, um, your sheep often will disappear um and it uh it's just literally broken it's not like i'm saying like i don't like the way they did the ui i'm like no you can't play the game okay all right um I will I, accept and, I, and i cannot it is the revised no version of well, the app, no I, the app. I, no I cannot recommend the app to anybody i i have been playing the solo version on the app and I've 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 still dealt with some issues there's been times when i'm like um where are my sheep it has this it hates sheep i don't know why it does this thing it won't always happen but you couldn't pay me to start a multiplayer game on it because i have no faith that it's not going to just break the game halfway through you know and that would suck
1: well i would say that before the app broke because admittedly i haven't played it in a very long time but before the app broke it was actually a lovely implementation and i think like a really great example of what a board game app should be which is that it's the board game but it adds it adds like um sort of certain color and personality to it that we'd want
0: out of an out of an app Um, and and i I agree with that fully and if you own the old version you still can download it and play it on your ipad or phone at any time and you can have both so once they did the revised version now if you go to buy it you can only get the revised version and it's broken Mm, if you had bought the old one and, and we're upgraded to the revised or rebought the revised. You can have both on your, on your iPad now. Unfortunately, like the better version is not the, the one that I want to be getting really good at. I want to be getting really good at the revised.
1: I mean, the the thing is with Agricola is, and this is like, this is like a, uh, yeah, of course, sort of ob, uh, observation on my part is that it's really stressful. It's, a, it's like famously stressful and it's as stressful, I think, as its reputation, which is really, which is what's so fun about it. But I feel like for me, I sort of have to kind of summon up a kind of energy to dive into it because it's like it's a it's a stress that starts immediately and never relents and actually builds. And that is it's in some ways its greatest aspect, but also
0: the thing that keeps me away from it. It's probably why I never bought the game. So here's something that I'm considering. And I'm actually I'm asking game brainers out there for their input on this. Would anybody be interesting in me doing a series on this podcast, potentially as in a little solo mode every once in a while, where I track my journey to becoming a competitive Agricola player? Oh, yeah. Do it. From total noob to, look, I'm not saying I'm going to try to beat Lumens Burling or become a champion. I'm just saying I'd like, my goal is to become a proficient Agricola player, a strong Agricola player. Yeah, why not? And I think that I think it, it could, it might take a couple of years. It might take a year. Who knows? But if I, I think if I really dedicate, and this is a person who has two children under three, who has no time, and why am I even thinking about this as a possibility? Regardless, I feel like it's a goal. I, I as, as a gamer, you know, I, I have I've set goals for myself. I wanted to DM my own D and D campaign. Did that. I Feel like this is a goal for myself. I want to become a great agricola player. Do it. What? Why? Why, right. why not? Let me know if people think this is interesting. I'm going to start an Agricola thread or an Agricola uh, channel on the uh, on our Discord. Um, you can always find an invite to our Discord on our Twitter uh, bio. If you go to GameBrain underscore Pod at Twitter, you will find a link that will be an invite to our uh, Discord. Um, but yeah, join it there. I'm I'm looking for players. We we'll we will not be playing on the app. We will be playing on Play dash agricola.com or playagricola.com which is um not a beautiful site but a good site that works very well uh at playing multiplayer agricola right in your browser. Wow.
1: I think it's available also on uh Bois-t-a-je. I'm not it sure is, how Yes, goes.
0: but um not the revised edition unfortunately. Oh, okay. It's just Got EIK it. and they uh um Playagricola.com has everything, all the revised edition and the EIK and all the expansion decks and everything. You can do whatever you want there. Um, but let me know if anybody wants to enter this journey with me or give, give me a sparring. I need a sparring partner. I need someone who's down to go on this journey with me. So if anybody's out there, let me know. Great. Um, let's get into our game review. What do you say? I'm so ready. Today, we are reviewing Hansa Teutonica Big Box. Which came out in 2020, but the original Hanza Teutonica came out 11 years ago in 2009. The designer of this game is Andreas Stedding, who also has uh, some other pretty big, exciting hits uh, under his name, such as Gugong and uh, Firenze. Uh, and uh, those Stufart are for Dynasty. Him. Yep, that's true. Stu for Dynasty. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, uh Hansa would I, I think would be his uh his sort of uh his big hit. Um and uh, a beloved uh a beloved Euro by many. Um the artist is Dennis Lohausen, maybe the most iconic artist in all of board games to me. Um you've seen his art on every UVA game, on Terra Mystica, on Voyages Marco Polo, Gaia Project. I mean, he is he is the Simone Luciane of <laughs> of board game artists. Um Hanzo teutonica plays three to five players oh sorry the publisher is pegasus spiel uh plays three to five players um that is different than you'll find in the original box of the game which says two to five players they have removed the two-player variant um as i believe the designer did not feel it was uh strong enough to put on the box um you can still play the variant it's just not included in the box all the components you need to play it are there though it's just not good it's just not, it's just not good enough to the, I, I really appreciate that they do this. They don't want to trick people into buying this. If you put two to five on it, people go, Oh, great. A play a, a game I can play with my partner. And then people get it and realize like, Oh, it's kind of a not great version of the game. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if, if you really want to find a way to play it with two, you can, the designer is just letting you know, that's not what it was made for Uh three to five players, 45 to 90 minutes, which is dead on. I mean, this is not a long game. This is a There's a lot of game here that you can play in 90 minutes. And that's even potentially with five people. Um, The weight is 3.50, which feels really high to me. I would put this at three. Um, But uh, maybe it's 3.50 with all the expansions and everything. Um, I'll just give you a brief... description of uh, what it says here. The multi-award-winning strategy game, Hansa Teutonic, is back in a big box edition, including the base game and all expansions. In the game, players attempt to increase their standing as merchants in the Hanseatic League by gaining prestige points in various ways. Uh, Hansa Teutonic is a highly interactive strategy game as players block and push each other each turn, but it also gives cunning players the chance to put being blocked into the advantage. The game's many possibility, many possible strategies can also be tested and perfected on the variant game boards of this beloved Britannia and East expansion. Before we get into the, the, the game, Itself, the, the difference between the big box and the basic game of Hansa Tonica is not a lot. The, uh, this is just the exact game with the exact components you find in the core box, with two expansion maps. That's it, just maps, um, a deck of cards that can be used as a as a module, and uh, two other small modules um, that were released as promos. So this is not, you know, nine expansions and fifteen promos. This is. This is just a little bit more than you would have gotten in the core box. Um, but the nice thing is that it was very hard to get all these things before. And so if you're a completionist, this is everything. But there, I, you know, uh, this is not a throw away your old copy, get a new one. It's literally the same art, same game, same components. Nothing's changed. Just the couple few small expansions that existed are now in one box. And it's not a big box, which is funny. <laughs> it's actually... Uh, <laughs> A modestly sized box.
1: Um, It's not as much of a marketing ploy to say the Hansa Teutonica
0: reasonably sized box edition. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's actually a smaller box than the base game came in. Uh, But Ben, tell us all about Hansa. Hansa Teutonica well, first of all, I just want to
1: say that this game for the longest time was actually extremely available. It was always on Amazon for $30 and it was always there. The maps, everything was just there for the longest wow. time. Um, Not when I was looking. Uh, when did you start looking for it?
0: A couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think around 2018 is when it finally just kind of like so petered funny. out. But for the longest time, it just was there. And um, it was this just this game that that was always there and then i think once it once it like kind of disappeared i think interest in it started to kind of rise of course um so i think that's what's kind of funny um about it um but hansa teutonica is this game where you you it's you have this big old map uh, and uh the map is like full of all these different cities and the cities have little spaces on them that you can put little pieces and uh in between all these cities there are all these roads and all the roads have other spaces that you can put pieces on, and basically what you're doing is you're basically putting pieces on the map, and you're kind of trying to take over these little roads. And uh, when you have when you have enough pieces on the roads, pretty much when you have every when you have taken up every spot on the road, you can then kind of quote unquote claim the route. Um, and then when you claim the route a variety of things could happen. You then earn the right to put a piece into one of those cities that I was talking about. That's adjacent. You could do that. Some cities actually you can, uh, instead of putting a piece in the city, you can decide to uh, power up your board because this is kind of like the, the OG uh, take things off of your player mat to un- unlock power games, right? I, I don't sort know if like
0: Gaia Project or Terra Mystica, right? Yeah, Terra Mystica,
1: Barrage, I don't know if there there were games like this before um, *Hansa Teutonica*, but I think a lot of people point to *Hansa Teutonica* as being like at least the probably the first major game that had this thing. So, um, so really, the game is about claiming roots, getting your getting presence in these cities, um, and powering up your board. Uh, it's it's a, it's so easy to learn. It's so easy to teach, and it's so easy to set up uh and yet the strategy it really has so so many layers um this is a game that in the past i've always said this is a um like a like a log cabin game or something where if you were going off to a cabin you know for the weekend with friends like you bring this game this is the sort of game if you would only bring one game you could bring this game and probably play it all weekend long and uh it would be and you would have a great time you know it's a it's just a remarkable game Ben, is this an abstract? Um, it could be an abstract. Uh it, it has abstract qualities. One of the things that has one of the Hansa Teutonica is famous for just having like the driest box art of, it, of all time, which is now different because we have the the big box. Um, there's just this board that's just like you just look at it and you just see roads. You see roads, you see cities. It's it, it's about as dry as can be that it really borders on abstract. I don't think it's an abstract, though. I don't. Because I think this is... Um, well... I mean, all games are abstract at, its co- at their core, right? Um, yeah.
0: I mean, but this is literally putting cubes out in order to control yeah. faces with other cubes and removing cubes from your board that, ele- that you give you...
1: Yeah, you don't feel like you're tradesmen and sales or merchants going around, yeah. you know, the Hanseatic
0: League doing things. Right. And just the fact that it's just a box full of cubes and a map also is, it feels very, um, almost like, like you're playing like a Moncala game or so Like, you know, where you're, it's just like, it's very, uh, very simplistic with, it's just a board and, and a handful of different colored cubes. Yeah. Um, now, but I,
2: but,
1: yeah, I'll, I was going to say that for many years, I've actually always said that if this game were rethemed, into um outer space and instead of having uh tradesmen and sale and, and merchants because by the way those pieces i was talking about they're either cubes or they're discs and one are tradesmen, one are merchants because <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know obviously um but if this were rethemed and it was outer space and instead of cities these were planets and instead of merchants and traders we had like little spaceships and like death stars mm-hmm. or whatever And especially if you had this as miniatures or even little miniatures, I guarantee
0: this game would be one of the hottest games on BGG. It's so funny that I wrote that exact down. I wrote wrote down before in my notes, if this had a sci-fi fantasy theme, it would be in every Ameritrash Gamers collection.
1: Every single one. It would be probably top 20. Um, And honestly, I'm not... I actually think it would be a really good thing. The designer himself, there's a thread on BGG where he's uh, said he's been open to retheming it. And then I think he actually um, has settled on some sort of Chicago mob theme, which is cool. I think space is the way to go because everyone was like, space has been overdone. I'm like, it has been. And I'm not like Mr. Everything has to be in outer space. But I think this one actually
0: really would be wonderful as as like a space themed game. Yeah, conquering you know hyperspace lanes and stuff. Um, I, t- so it's almost funny, but the mechanics of this game somehow feel thematic to me. Mm-hmm. Of, of not of a specific theme, but like this game, you, you really feel you feel that it, you know that it's sort of um, the father of uh, or mother of Gaia Project and Terra Mystica, and that that board you have in front of you, that player board. <laughs> That has all these juicy asymmetrical powers just waiting for you to pluck from the vine and and come bring to life. Um, the game becomes so quickly a game of asymmetry. Like you, you, we all start with exactly the same stuff. We start with exactly the same powers. We have two actions, which feels so small. Your turns are. Jennifer talked about this being, you know, what, a micro turn game that she loves, and this is one of her favorite games. Um, and your turns, especially at the beginning of the game, are so fast. They're just – they are – you just put two cubes down maybe uh, or displace one cube and, you know, swap another around and that's your turn. Um, but then, you know, one person upgrades their ability to recycle cubes faster. One person ups their ability to move more cubes. One person – or eventually, mo- most people end up uh, – Adding more actions to their turn from the acciones space, which is always mm-hmm. fun to say. Yeah. Um, the games, and, or one person, uh, upgrades their privileges, which allows them to put cubes in different places than other people can at the beginning of the game. And so quickly, it becomes a wildly asymmetrical game where every single person at the table, after just a couple rounds, feels like they have totally different powers than everybody else, and they all feel super strong. And you're like, yeah, oh, I'd kill! I would kill to have the bag power that person has right now. Or, Oh my god! If I just had the actions that person have I'd be crushing right now. And then that person with all the actions is going, I can only place my cubes in white spots on the board right now. I would kill to be able to put a cube in an orange spot like that player over there. and And that somehow feels so thematic that and, that and that feeling of that power it gives you that, like, you f- like, and that's something that I know Ameritrash gamers look so, for so much is that that wish fulfillment of becoming powerful and feeling like you can do something no one else the table and it almost has like a war game quality. Like, when you put that cube down, you know, to block somebody else or put a space down, that that has the aggression of an old school war game, not not a cube pusher.
1: Yeah, I think you you make a really great point because I think by developing those special powers. It somehow immerses you in a way that takes it away from being abstract. Suddenly, these cubes and circles kind of have some heft to them. The circles do especially, because the circles, the one thing that is a real signature of this game is um, that you can put your piece down on one of these roads, and then someone, as one of their actions, can knock your piece off the road. Uh, But in order to knock the piece off the road, you got to kill... You got to kill one of the pieces that's in your supply because you have some some of your trades and tradesmen and merchants you have available to you, and then some are in the quote unquote graveyard. They're in this like larger stock, stock that you have game. no access to. So you can bump someone out, but you have to kill a piece. And then on top of that, not only w- when you bump someone out, they're not off the board; they just move to an adjacent route. And on top of that, they get to take someone from directly from their graveyard and put it on the board. So um, this this is a four cube swing. Yeah, and and when you displace a merchant, which are the discs, you actually have to kill two of your pieces and then they get two pieces. So the merchants when they come out, it's like, "Oh, the merchants, <laughs> you know, um uh and uh and they I feel like they gain a personality in a way that these pieces gain personalities in ways that maybe other abstracts don't."
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And 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 like that that mechanic to me is a defining mechanic of this game, that displacement thing, because it makes so many interesting choices because it is better to block somebody else nine out of 10 times than it is to create your own line because you're going to be getting more cubes for free. And even if you don't want those cubes to end up on adjacent routes to the ones that were kicked out, you have actions that allow you to pick them up and move them anywhere, which you're basically just creating more cubes for yourself by blocking people, and so it creates so much interaction. Just that rule itself forces everyone together. You, yes, you, there is the, nobody does well if everybody just sort of plays their own solitaire game, as we learned in one of our <laughs> games. Uh, like you, you cannot win this game, and you cannot stop the winner of this game, unless yes. you are constantly getting in each other's ways, which really gives it a war game feel at a certain point. But you know
1: what's great about it is that. Um, I actually, generally speaking, I don't like area, area control. I hate a game where really, like, what I'm doing is is a bunch of actions to get a bunch of cubes in a region, and then someone comes along and just like kicks them off. Like, like they, kick, they kicked off or moved away, and then I got to do it all over again. To me, that's like very uninteresting and unpleasant. But if there's area, area control with other mechanics involved, I'm like, I'm down for it. And what's great about this one here is that here you are putting a lot of effort to get these cubes on the board in places that you want. But when someone kicks you off of a route, you it's like, it's a positive experience, right? Because you are gaining something from it. Um, that's actually more valuable. Often, when you
0: pr- And 90% of the time you put that cube there. So that would happen. Yes. That so when someone goal. Ki-
1: exactly it was your goal so when someone kicks you out your goal has been fulfilled and um that's like a really fun thing and um and then there's also a lot because of that mechanic there's a huge element of this game where you are getting into people's heads you're like where are they going what do they want to do Uh, i want i need to because sometimes they haven't even put anything in a route yet but you got to say they're probably going to go for that route on the next turn so let me put my piece here just because i think that's where they're going to go you know oh, yeah
0: and where people's cubes at on the board are never where they want them to be they're just, they're there to to confuse you like what they have one cube up here one cube down there one cube up here and one cube over here but they have the ability to move four cubes into one space so on their next action they're going to pick up all those cubes and drop them into one place where are they going you know where yeah. where where in that then that's such a fun game because i mean if you if you call your shot and you put three cubes in one lane you're guaranteeing someone's going to put their fourth cube there, you know, to yeah. in order to block you. Like, you're, there's no chance they won't because they'd be silly not to. You're giving them free cubes. But, so you yeah. can never do that. But you're also giving uh, up the option. What if somebody else decides to put three cubes there on their turn? You're, you're going to displace three of them if you really need to go there? But there's this great mechanic, as you've been alluding to. There's a great mechanic
1: casually known as the book action. And that's the one that allows you to move a certain number of cubes from anywhere on the board to anywhere else on the board. Um, And the beginning, it starts off that you can move, I think two cubes and then you can upgrade it to three, then four, then five. And it's, I think actually, sometimes it can be an overlooked action because what happens is I could put three cubes on, on a, on a on a four, on a four spot, on a four spot, uh, 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 route. I could put three cubes and you're like, ha I'm going to stop Ben. And you're going to put your cube on that fourth spot to stop me. And I had no intention ever of claiming that route. Right. I just did it there to draw your cube over there. And then on my yep. next turn, I gather all my cubes and go to the place that you left completely open because I acted like I had no interest in it. And so that book action is really good at doing these, these hilarious bluffs, you know, like the fact that this game that looks so dry, can could have these, High moments of comedy where you're just like, all of a sudden I'm gathering all these people like I, like I like I'm on the I'm on the I'm on the path to claim my fourth action. I would never abandon that right. And then like shoop, I go somewhere else, and you're like, what? Like you just did something. That's great. That's a great quality.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the thing also, is like, obviously, acciones, which is the action that gives you more actions, um, mm-hmm. or the, the the ability that gives you more actions is, is very powerful. But what's so wonderful about this game is that every p- action feels so powerful like i mean just just having that 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 ability to move more on a turn is huge or you know the bag action as we call it which is where you you move as one action you move a certain amount of cubes from your stock to your your supply so you can start using them Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the game you can only move three and if you only get two actions one of your actions is to move three and then you get to place one that feels horrible Mm -hmm. but if you upgrade it just once Now you can move five, which means you're not going to have to do that action for three or four more turns, which becomes so huge compared to everybody else at the table. And then if you get that up to seven, and then the fourth one is the letter C for some uh, inexplainable reason, which just means get all of your cubes in your stock. Move all your cubes from from stock to supply, which is just like, then you don't have to do that again for maybe the rest of the game. I mean, it's like, it becomes, each one is just so, it, it has that Marco Polo thing of like, like okay, your everybody's power. Everybody at this table is broken. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, everybody can do
1: too much. And you know all these things that you can upgrade. They all open up interesting strategies, right? Because if you are go really strong with the bag action, so that way you can just like refill really quickly. Then you're probably someone who has doesn't really care if you're going to just it'll just kick people out of routes because you have so many things that you so many pieces that you can always access. That your thing is. I'm going to go wherever I want and I'm just going to kick people out. I don't care, right? Um, If you go to the book action, what's interesting with the book action, if you upgrade your book action, that's the only way to get more of the merchants, which again are the round ones, which require, you know, uh, kicking people out, Uh, uh, more people to kick out. And what's interesting is that those round circles, um, uh, as opposed to those square circles, huh? Um, But those those circles, (laughs) if people displace you, you're going to get more cubes onto the board. And then the more cubes you have onto the board, the more effective you can be at doing that book action and sort of sending them all around the board. So that like works really well. And then you have the privilege, where as you upgrade the privilege and you have access to these um, like, like these spots that that other people don't have access to, um, that could give you a lot of control over cities. Um, and then there's this one area uh, called the, Colleen table, uh, where you can... Colleen, yeah. Colleen. The Colleen table. It's where Colleen lives. (laughs) (laughs) You go visit Colleen. um, But you can actually, when you claim that route, you can actually kind of retire one of your valuable merchant discs there um, and get some really chunky endgame points. And if you are really high with your privilege, you can get more and more points there. So all these things kind of have um, like really big strategic implications. And part of the game is sort of deciding what route you're going to go down. And and that is often like 99% of the time impacted by what everyone else is doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and every turn you have these absurdly interesting decisions. I mean, even just like the action that maybe the most important action in the game outside of the displacing action is uh, when you complete a trade route. And you often have many choices. And one of those basic choices is to put one of your cubes in one end of that trade route and sort of quote unquote conquer it, or at least begin to conquer it or potentially hold it for a short period of time. But you get a cube in there and whoever has the most cubes actually controls it. But what's the point of control is two things. One is for the rest of the game, as long as you control it, you get one point if you control one end of that trade route every time somebody completes that trade route. Um, so if you put that next to the Accione's action, so I have to complete this trade route in order to upgrade my actions. But if I control one end of that line, I get a point. If I control both ends of that line, I get two points every time you do it. One of the game ending triggers of the game is first to 20 points. So if 10 people, or if, if 10 times somebody goes there and you control two, you just, you ended the game and they helped you do it. And you probably won because of that. Um, so just that decision of, okay, I'm the first one to into acciones. Do I take my third action or do I put my cube down here right now? Because everyone is going to be going here. I could get 10, I could get 10 points out of this. No problem. Right. And, and that's and a crazy, it, exciting decision. It really is.
1: And then what the, probably the best part about that is, is how it affects the entire game it things like that affect an entire game and and this comes back to what we were saying before about how it's just every time you set it up it's it's just a map the only variability in the setup are that there's these little bonus tokens which i think we'll get to in a little bit but i don't want to get into it right now but there are these bonus tokens it's always the same three that are out there on the board and they just might be one-time powers one-time powers um but the game always has the same setup but it's a wildly, wildly dynamic game for reasons such as this. In Matt's example, someone puts down um, uh, you know, an office on both sides of that very valuable acciones uh, route, which means that every time someone claims the acciones route, that person gets two points. So what happens if everyone says... Well, we don't want to give that person two points, so we're going to do something else. And then suddenly we have a situation where um, we're playing a game where people are saying, screw that person, we're all going to be fine with either two or three acciones." And
0: um now people are focusing in different areas completely. And and that's what happens. You do so one, one person goes, Well, but if I had three actions, I'd destroy all these people. And then that person goes, Well, if he has three actions, I would have three actions. Well, then what happens <laughs> is someone
1: puts their merchant in there and they're like, Fine, if you want to do that, you have to give me some pieces, right? Like exactly. So every single thing that happens on this board has a hugely dynamic impact on how the board develops, what office, what, what routes are valuable. Um, And that's why even though it has a, a static starting state, it
0: always goes in a totally different direction, which is, I think, amazing. When it does that thing also that like Marco Polo does that like if somebody dominates with a strategy, then that affects the meta. So you may have one game where somebody just goes big in privilege and is just like dominating the board. And then everybody goes like, well, man, that's that's how we win. And so people try that the next game and then it just keeps evolving the meta. And so I think this is such a, and the fact that it plays in 90 minutes, like you, you could easily play this twice in a night. And I think often you would because it's just, it's it's quite addictive. It has that like one more turn kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I, this is also a game where you really have to f- like zig where people are zagging. And I, I think that's like, it's really key because in the beginning, there's almost always a rush for the act, excuse me, the action spot because you know, everyone wants to get to that third action. It's really important to get that third action. There are people on BGG who say you can win with just having two actiones, and I totally, totally believe that. But I think you have to be playing like a really like high level game, really like full facility yeah. of like really seeing the matrix um, yeah. I think you at least have to have three. I don't, you you can get away with just three and not four, and sure. you you can you honestly don't even need five. But um, if because because the thing is this, you'd think oh five actions is so valuable because five is the top. Um, but while you're upgrading to five, everyone's doing a lot of other important things. They're probably laying the groundwork with for some really big endgame points. So, uh, but the point is that um, if everyone is rushing to the acciones. And that, that, that is getting clogged up. Yeah. Like you have to say to yourself, where else can I, can I go? Cause you can start building something else
0: entirely. And then You'll get a when, bonus token that gives you four more actions. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone's Just doing bag.
1: it. Build your bag or, or yeah. the other thing is if you, or go to the book action. Cause a lot of times I find that people go to action is first and then bag is, is often the all, the other hot commodity. Right. And, um, That's I think a, the privilege Privilege is good
0: too, but I think the book action is yeah. really great. Well, and because that—that's the being able to plop that merchant down is just going to like spawn so many new cubes for you, right? And then, and then the thing is this: once you have a bunch of merchants, then there's a whole other
1: set of decisions that open up. Opens up because one thing we haven't really talked about is endgame scoring. And um, uh, you know, we talked about if you can go visit Colleen and you can retire a merchant there to get some big points. Um, but there's another, there, there are two other, well, there's, there are a few others, but there's two other things I want to talk about right here. Uh, end game
0: conditions, which is you'll get two points for every city that you can, you can control and you'll also means most cubes or ties broken by farthest to the right, which means last in.
1: Uh, yes. And then the other thing is, um, you look at your largest network of cities, whether you control them or not. And you look at the number of pieces you have in those cities. So, you know, across three cities, you, maybe you have like five pieces because you filled up a bunch of offices. Um, and you're going to get um, – you're going to take that number of, of pieces and you're going to multiply it by what's called your – I guess your key value. Because
0: there's another track on your board. That's keys. Right, that has no in-game purpose. Helps you every time you upgrade it. You're not helping yourself at all in the game, but you could be potentially winning the entire game at the end because your multiplier is going up so high.
1: Yeah, because the key track, if if memory serves me correctly, everyone starts with one, and then um, and then the next level is two, then two, then I think goes three, maybe three, four, five, or three, three, four. But the point is this: if you have a network with five pieces in it and you unlock your key net, key value up to three you're getting five times three and you're getting 15 points yeah. so um why was i why was i talking about this now oh, oh so the cert the merchants so getting back to why merchants are important because there are a bunch of um if you're deciding you want to make a really big uh network um then there are certain cities or certain offices where only your merchant can go into it. So if you're using your merchant there to get like a really good network for your endgame score, that means it's one less merchant you have to send over to Colleen and it's one less merchant you have to get in people's ways. So there's actually like a huge amount of decisions to make
0: with merchant management. Yep. And if that weren't enough, your longest route is super important at the end of the game. But in the game, there's an east-west connection, uh, depending on the map, between two cities. And the first person to create a contiguous line uh, between those two cities will get some in-game points, uh, which could be quite a lot. And that's one of the end-game triggers, is the first person to hit 20 points, the game instantly ends at the end of their action. You don't finish a round and all this Euro stuff. It's just, nope, done. Game end. Score it up. Uh, So often the first to 20 can be quite important unless somebody has been uh, as we just said, going heavy on those keys. Well,
1: and that's the thing. That's another zigzag moment because if you, if someone has set up a a bunch of those, uh, like those, those offices on, on highly trafficked trade routes, and they're just getting two points after two points and you see them going up, you can try to race them, which is totally viable. But usually what I do is I say, okay, they're going to, they're going, they're going to, they're going to try to accelerate this and make this a short game. Um, I'm going to try to like bolster up my network and get those keys going because then I'm going to be able to like, that's how I'm going to counter this. Um, or, or you could just say to yourself, Hmm, they're making this a short game. I don't have time to do, to do the keys. So I'm not going to worry about that. Let me try to get points in other ways. Um, because another way to get points is every time you, um, fully upgrade one of your tracks from your player board boards, that's four points at the end of the game, except for the key track. So there's points there. There's points, as you said, connecting those two cities from far flung. There's the Colleen table. Um, so you kind of have to like gauge what sort of endgame points do I realistically think I can go for, given the pace at which this is going, or how can I slow down? Da- this person trying to accelerate the game. How do I slow them down? Maybe I'll take my merchants and plop them into those spots. Or the table as a whole is like, we're not going to let them accelerate. Again, more examples of of dynamic
0: gameplay that evolves. Yeah, and you get in that really fun position where that person who was racing to 20 all of a sudden realizes they're not going to win. Yeah. If, it, if it gets to 20 and then another player starts giving them points on purpose in order to end the yes. game and they they regret their entire decision of putting their score at 15 because now they have <laughs> one round left to figure out how to win because uh, they created an end game condition that is no longer useful to
1: them. And it happens a lot, by the way. It happens a lot usually with new players where they just like race to that 20. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's like, oh, somebody honey, you points gotta, out, uh, you, <laughs> you lost to you end this game. <laughs> you gotta make sure you got something for afterwards. Didn't we learn anything from the elections? So, <laughs> um, but uh, but let's talk about the those, bonus those ballot dumps were a big problem. Though. <laughs> let's talk about the bonus tokens though, also, because this the bonus tokens are a really important part of the game that I think also get a little bit overlooked. Um. We mentioned before there are these little circles and when you claim a route if there's a bonus token on the route you get to claim that you get to claim that token and
0: it gives you a in power to whatever you were going to do on that in
1: battle. addition and so um those tokens uh there's a little bit of set collection like if you have a you know if you have like one at the end of the game you get one point if you have two to three you get like three points if you, get if you four have 10 five, or
0: more you can get 21 points
1: yeah and so while people are futzing around fighting over acciones, you might just quietly go over the corner and just like claim some bonus bonus markers. And sometimes those bonus markers will sort of like make up for the fact that
0: you don't have as many acciones. Yeah, like that four action one is highly contested. I mean, and that having an extra four actions in addition to whatever actions you have in one turn once mm-hmm. totally could make up the difference in those people who have just spent four rounds fighting over one extra action per turn.
1: Yeah, and there's a bonus that allows you to just upgrade one of your tracks just yeah. like oh. that. And also, by the way, we should also mention every time you upgrade your tracks, you are uh, bringing more pieces into your supply. So it's actually, right. you're growing your, your inventory. Um, but those, you know, something you can do. And some people actually think it's a really strong strategy is, um, and it's something that I did in our recent play, which is uh, you set up offices on two different c- on cities on both ends of a, re- a route. And then you, uh, you, put a bonus marker there because every time you claim a bonus marker at the end of your turn you got to put a new one out on the board Mm -hmm. so you just put it on the same route that your office is in and you just claim it and you're just like oh i'm getting a bonus marker and i'm getting two points and people don't nobody wants to give you those two points (laughs) no one wants to get the two points but like it's like if people start doing that to you you got to jump in there and 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 make sure control of one
0: of those offices yeah
1: one of the offices or make sure that like it's hard for them to claim that bonus marker, uh, because it's it's a lot of powers. It's a lot of points in game and a lot of points at the end of the game. Uh, it's a totally, totally strong strategy that I think gets overlooked when people are rushing for action and bag actions and things like
0: that. So, I, to me, this was a game that I, I remember existing when I first got into this hobby in about 2010, which is a year after this game came out. It was it was still a hot new game I remember people playing. And I didn't even give this thing a second look. It looked so dry. And I just uh, sort of the, the vibe around it was that it was heavy and dry and just the quintessential cube pushing yep. soulless Euro. And it's always had that sort of description i remember playing it back then and being like it's fine it's fine but i feel like my initial judging a book by its cover attitude totally tainted my my one play of it you know eight nine whatever years ago and when i came back to it this year when i relearned it and played it again i i fell wildly in love with it and was like wow did i did i really judge this game incorrectly i mean honestly i'm going to sum up my thoughts here this is a game that should be in every Ameritrash gamers collection and every Euro game collection collection essential to me. This is a cornerstone game. This is, this is a game that you can teach anyone in 15 minutes. Like it's not a complicated game. The end game scoring can get a little, there's just a lot of things like the longest route and the keys and you know that, but just the basics, you do five things on your turn and most of them are just putting a cube down or moving a cube. Mm -hmm. Um, Literally, you could teach this to a non-gamer, and I think it has so many eureka moments of like, oh, uh, it has so many oh wow moments. What during the teach, um, and and honestly, like it, it like this kind of art doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I think it's beautiful, and I love this artist's work. I think Dennis Lohausen stuff is gorgeous, and it's like this looks to me like a Middle Earth map, so it does actually feel very thematic to me. But like, if this looks dry to you. Just give yourself a little talk, (laughs) convince yourself it isn't because it isn't. And like, this is a highly thematic, so fun, simple decision, rich, just like this. This is a Euro that feels like it could have been made this year. There's nothing old and stodgy and old school about this game. If this game came out this year, this would be my game of the year.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's it is a fantastic game um i will say this about the art too is that the player boards are adorable they're like these little desks and they look like they look like 3d desks and there's a player aid on the front of the desk which is really cute um i love those little desks um uh it's a uh it's a fantastic game and um uh i will say also that the big box includes um two other maps one of the maps i've never played the east east map but the britannia uh map i've played twice now we just played it this week Um, and i think it's worth talking about that map uh because i think it's actually
0: double-sided maps for different player counts which is really fun
1: oh yeah that's actually another thing which is that um at three and five players the game is very cutthroat because um uh at three players there's a map uh like where there's like only one route to acciones and one route to uh the privileges action yeah and it's a war it's a war. And then when you turn it over on the four and five player side, uh, there's like two routes. So it's a little easier to get into actiones and privilege. So with four players, there's a little bit, it's actually a little less cutthroat. And then in five, it tightens up again. Yeah. Um, and there I may think, be, some I harder. think this is
0: a three and five player game to me. It feels like, I mean, I, I would definitely not turn down a four player game. It's different, but I think this game probably sings at three and five. Uh, I, I think it depends on what type of singing you want to do because some people may actually prefer it at four with
1: like a little right, bit a little loose room. I think it's always you're still going to have the same like visceral experiences and fun. Five players, it gets really crazy. I mean, th- it is it is important to talk about player count in this too. Is that yeah. um, we had a game when we so we did play the Britannia map and
0: you and Paul went at it. You guys.
1: <laughs> You guys were like, just like, we've never played it
0: before. And we were, we were exploring the space in, and we explored each other all the wrong directions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you guys were just like, like getting in each other's way, like incessantly. And I just was left to do my own thing. And so I just was like, I'll do this and I'll do this. I didn't get bumped the entire game. I felt like one of those people who get, who like gets the finale and survivor who never was nominated, you know, like always under the radar. His name was never written down. Um, uh, so, I think with five players that 's less likely to happen because there 's so many people that like someone 's always going to get in your way someone 's always going to have an ha- have your number you know um, but I think it 's great
0: at all at three, four and five honestly um, yeah, let 's talk briefly about those other two maps because they they 're not just aesthetic changes or route building changes they're they're they 're pretty meaty changes to the game, and they get heavier um, they 're kind of leveled up i mean like the the base game is pretty simple um very that's where i definitely start if you never play this game or if i was teaching to new players then you get the eastern hanseatic league which adds one or two new rules to it that that severely changed the game and then you get britannia which adds a whole bunch of new rules to it that that does to me make it a 3.50 game um and really interesting there's not just this is like you know one of those age of steam maps that's like A new game like these really mix it up. This this is not a Concordia map, which is like uh, something a little different to try a different player against. Like these are these are pretty cool. Like and I really like the Britannia map. Yeah, I think the Britannia map uh, is excellent,
1: and it was really fun to play it again because I had played it like two years ago, and I was like, this was so fun. But I don't think I'd played uh, Hansa since then with people that like it was always people that like we should do the base the base map right and um, Britannia. What's really cool is. Um, uh, the main, the main cool thing there is that it's, it's in Great Britain and it's three different countries, right? You've got England, Wales, and Scotland. And in the three player map, it's just England and Wales that you're concerned with. And you can't place things in Wales unless you control the rightmost spot in either London or Cardiff. Right. So,
0: um,
1: and And that's then,
0: even then you're limited to only one cube in Wales per turn.
1: Yes. Uh, But if you have London and Cardiff, you can put two down in a turn. And the reason why that's significant is twofold. One, uh, there is an endgame score where it's like whoever controls the most uh, cities in Wales, or then also in Scotland, if you're playing with Scotland, will get a certain number of points. But also, and this is a great, great change, is that the acciones thing, which we've talked about is like one of the most sought after, if not the most sought after special power you can improve. So that kind of like resides on the border of Wales and England. And if you want to, from the England side, if you want to like upgrade your acciones, uh, the route is four, pe- four spots long. You've got to put four pieces on before you can claim that route. But on the Wales side, it's three pieces. So it's, oh, it's, evil. it's so in some ways, it's easier to claim it from the Wales side. <laughs> Except you can only you have one have- cube per turn there. And you have to go through a whole bunch of rigmarole roll to get in there. But then again, chances are you might not have as much competition because, you know, it's like a whole thing to get into Wales. Yeah. So that's like it's kind of a perfect um perfect way to make it to to to, to adjust, to tweak that action thing. So that way it's not like, oh, well, they got onto actions first and they got more, they got to power up first, and they have some sort of advantage. It's like you really gotta do it. Second of all, if I may continue my mon- my monologue, um, <laughs> uh, the key power in Britannia, is only, the root is only three pieces instead of four, which is good because that way you can really attack those keys because we didn't mention this, but once usually once one person starts going to improve their key power, yeah, everyone descends on it. <laughs> and it's a disaster. And so this sort of like opens up keys a little bit to make that more of a viable thing. Um, there are also, uh, bonus tokens that are built into the board yeah. that, um, yeah, they're printed on the board. And so when you claim that route, you get that power immediately. And one of those is to place two pieces inside of
0: whales. So that's another way you can get into whales, but you need, those are called tr- uh, maritime trade routes and they usually need one or two of your circles, yes. which is very costly.
1: And that also adds another wrinkle. So like if you add, if you retire your merchants uh, in the Britannia version of the Colleen, Colleen table, uh, if you retire them there, then then that's
0: one fewer circle you can
1: use for these. Yeah, it's like, it's like really really
0: permanently docking your boats.
1: Yeah. So, um, and I think there's a, there are a few other things, I think, but.
0: Those are the main ones, and it just—it just sings. It's so oh, great. good. I, I, I'm more yeah. excited to play the Britannia map more than I am the base map, but 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 I, I, I the base map is still. It's, I mean, I just think this big box is fantastic. Having these three different maps, and and the coolest thing in the the Eastern Hanseatic map we didn't talk about is that there are major cities in the game that hold an unlimited amount of squares basically like offices, but it's hard to get a square in there. But once you get a square in there, there's no limit to the amount. So like you could really go to war trying to conquer certain towns there and it never will fill up. Yeah. And there's this one, um, like the acciones and the bag
1: action, which we talked about are the two most popular, yeah. um, are paired together in the same city. So when yeah. you claim it, you got to choose it. So yeah. I would love to try that one because I, I, I uh, think Jennifer. said, uh, I, I don't want to misquote Jennifer, but I think that Jennifer said that she likes that one. But I don't want to misquote her. I could right, be wrong. Right. right,
0: Well, we're going a little long here. I, I've, I've, I have my final thoughts already. So Ben, do you want to just hit us with your final thoughts on Hanza Tutu? It's awesome. Buy it. I mean, what else can I say? I mean, I have, I, like, I've,
1: <laughs> I, think my final thoughts have been this entire review. I mean, I love it. It's like it, you said. You said everything. I don't have to add on to it. It's great. It's <laughs> a bunch of essential. Yeah, it's I think you it is. It. I, you I, get I, it. I,
0: yeah. I, it, I think it's made itself way into my top 10 of all time this year. I mean, I, I, I wow. think, it's, I think it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a game that I, when I, it, it's one of those heavy games. And I don't know if I think it's heavy. I think it's medium weight, but it's one of those games that I'm excited to play with non-gamers, yeah. which I would never say about most heavy games. But I feel that way about Concordia too. It's one of those games where it's like, oh, this will show someone my hobby. Yeah. you know and but it will still be enjoyable for them and for me there's very few games i feel like to with a non-gamer to be like here's a modern euro this is what this is what i'm always off doing that you yeah. you know nothing about like this one and concordia and this one i think is even simpler than concordia to teach it's simpler it for is. people to wrap their heads around it is simpler but concordia to me is still the better
1: game ultimately but um but that's like, <laughs> that's because Concordia is my number one of all time, so it's literally better than every game to me. But um, uh, but but Hansa is, I think it's in my top ten. If it's not my top ten, it's definitely my top twenty. You know, my top ten's always yeah. in flux. But it's sure. it is a hundred percent a game. If you if you find it, you should get it. Um, if you do wind up encountering the original game, it, it comes in a very svelte box, so it doesn't even take up that much space in your shelf, which is wonderful too. So yeah, I mean, what else can be? I, Go play it and enjoy watching the game unfold. And like, we've actually given a lot of strategy tips, and and I say just like take them and play with it and and see what path it takes you down because it's always going to be a different path.
0: And play this with your Ameritrash gamers, your thematic gamers, your FFG mini gamers. I swear, if you can just get them to squint their eyes while they look at this map and these cubes and try to see. Space Marines and or whatever they're into Hobbits, uh, I swear it this game will, will sing for it for a thematic your uh, merit trash gamer. It kills me.
1: It kills me that there is not a version of this with like t- like Ti four
0: components. Like uh, the, this would like, be bigger than Gloomhaven, honestly. Like if if there was like elves in it.
1: Yeah, I I actually a hundred percent, and I'm not saying that from a cynical point of view. Like, no. oh, people fell for. It. I'm saying it because it like it's like it would just add a layer of of thematic engagement that for some people like is really important and I just even for people who it's not important i think they would enjoy it so absolutely
0: all right well let's move from our review into our member segment today we are talking about the top 10 games we want to go deep with in 2021 as i set up at the beginning these are not our top 10 games of 2020 which we are going to be doing Uh, in a couple of weeks, maybe even next week, I think. Um, These are not our top 10 games we're excited to play in 2021. These are our top 10 games that we want to go deep deep in 2021. Deep. Yeah. Deep. 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 Not not wide. Deep. Ben, why don't you start us off? Did you actually rank yours or are we just sort of saying 10? I, I ranked mine. All right. All right. I, I had that ready. I had that ready. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have my honorary mentions, of course, because
1: you know me, I'm not known for brevity. <laughs> hey, <Jeff. laughs> so here, I've got five real quick honorary mentions. Oh, my um, God. I have exactly five, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, alike? So alike. Um, <laughs> uh, my number, I actually ranked these two, but they, it doesn't really matter with the rankings with these. But this one is a weird one because I don't love this game, but there's so much in it that I just still want to explore it before I. F- fully write it off if that makes sense and that's black angel because mm-hmm. it's such a it's such a like um, like messy beast of a game yeah. that's totally inelegant but i also feel like there's a lot of stuff in there and like i have enjoyed playing it but i i really it doesn't it doesn't capture me the way i want it to but i also feel like i want to explore it there's still a lot of stuff i want to explore so that's what i'm how about this how about i just go through all my honorary mentions and then yeah. we'll just we'll flip off okay here's another odd one lancaster it's a really fun game. And uh, it's kind of one I want to go deep on because uh, there's this whole thing at the end of every round in Lancaster where everyone has to, there are these laws that come up and the laws affect the game and everyone votes on them. And I kind of feel like it would be a really fun game to go deep on because really understanding those laws and having an awareness of what's coming down the pike could really make a very interesting um, gameplay while, while you're playing the game, knowing. Knowing really, really what's coming down the pipe could make that really fun, and it's a really good game. And I feel like we've sort of forgotten about it. Um, yeah. Forum Trejanum, uh is this really cool, chunky, twisty feld, which is you know has a lot of a lot of things going on. It's just a kind of a crazy beast. It's on Yukata if people want to try it. Um, and there's a lot of strategies to try
0: in that. So I, I kind of I would, would love. I would like you to that. teach me that one.
1: Uh, absolutely! It's really fun and interesting um railroad evolution which is actually my first review that i did on this on this show
0: um really that really enjoyed that, that that's I feel the, like that came out right before the pandemic
1: if yeah it did and you know what if railroad evolution were a like if, if it were just like its own standalone game and not an expansion it would probably it, that's probably a top 10 of the year um and underwater cities new discoveries I love Underwater Cities and I've already played it a lot. And, um, uh, you know, there's always been this talk about kelp, 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 and Underwater Cities New Discoveries kind of like evens that out. And just in general, I think most board games that involve a lot of card play, you kind of want to go deep on because you want to see how all these cards interact. So I think those are my top
0: five for like today. You know, tomorrow they'll be different. Okay. Top five honorary mentions, I yeah. should say my i'll just run through mine really quick K- Kalis 1303 i just want to play a lot more of it everdell i'm really this is the game i hope my wife and i get even deeper into this year root i just i just feel like it deserves more and i want to give it more Gaia project i always just want to replace that and kingdom death monster i have no idea when i will get to it but i really would like to get deep into that campaign yeah guy project's a great choice all right let's do our number 10s hit me with your 10
1: Maracaibo. I, I love this game. And again, this is a perfect, perfect example of a game that has a lot of, um, card play that interacts very interestingly. And there's also this like, uh, casual legacy element. I don't really care about legacy that much, but I've actually enjoyed how, um, it has impacted the gameplay. And so I'm not really in it for the story. I'm just in it to see how, how it impacts things. I think it's just a super, super fun game. And I just want to play with more and more of those cards.
0: Now I feel like I should have put that on mine. I love that game too. That's okay, you can um, pretend like it was on. Well, and and would, so the, when I think of these games, this is like I'm going to keep this list as a, as a notes in my on my phone. And it's like unless I have a really good reason to play something else, these are the games I should be focusing on this year. That's and, how you know, I this list.
1: I also want to add another element to this, which is that when I was choosing mine, I sort of was vacillating between. Uh, I want to go deep on this game because I want to explore all these like strategies and cards, but there's also a part of me that says I can imagine this being a really fun ritual game where I mm. like, like every week, like my friends and I like this, this one group, we always get together and we play this game and see how it goes. Cause there is something about that of like, we all come together. It's our weekly poker night. It's our weekly Catan night. It's our weekly, whatever. So it kind of is like, this one falls more in the, I want to explore all the cards, et cetera. And, and sure, because, sure, sure, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, this one falls under, I want to explore the strategies. This is Barrage, my number 10. This is a game I hope to play a lot this year. I really, really want to explore the many different routes of Barrage, including the late water expansion. Oh, God, it's so good. And the new th- the new five-player map, I, I cannot know. wait to play Can't with wait.
1: that. <laughs> it's great. What's your number nine? Arkwright. I love Love,
0: love Ooh. Arkwright.
1: I love Arkwright, and I don't. Did, have you played the enough. card game yet? Yeah, Paul and I and Elder, we played it on Tabletopia. I I backed it. Um, it was interesting. It's just that the Tabletopia implementation is so clunky. It kind of I felt like I got in the way of like really knowing what the experience is like. But uh, I like the card game. I mean, it's come. It's like a thirty dollars Kickstarter. But Arkwright, it, it doesn't replace it for you. Uh no. Um, Arkwright to me is like. Just a, a wonderful, chunky... Have you played it? Have you played Arc Oh, yeah. A bunch. A lot. I think it's just... That's one I would love, love to really just
0: dig into and just try different things. Um, yeah. It's so fun. Uh, my number nine is Too Many Bones. I own a Too Many Bones Big Box. I own everything that has ever been produced for Too Many Bones. And I either need to play it all or feel really bad about myself. So <laughs> this is my guilt pick of just like Matt you've spent way too much money on too many bones you are gonna enjoy it and not just play the same three characters and the same campaign over and over again but explore all the characters and all the campaigns no bone about it
1: um my my number eight is here's a here's a surprise I think fast sloths um Mm. fast sloths is a a pretty light game um I've only played it at three players and I would love to play it at five players because I hear it gets Pretty chaotic in a fun way at five players, and I, this is this falls into like that rich a little bit of the card thing, but more the ritualist thing. I I can see the fun of just like having a, a semi regular game of this where you know it gets probably increasingly more cutthroat. Joel Eddy on drive through yeah uh, reviews That's review yeah he's he's raved about it, and he says with his group because they're all pretty intense gamers what is a light game turns very, very cutthroat. And I, I do enjoy that when a game can sort of like be as light or as cutthroat as, as you want to make it. Well,
0: that's the list of games you have to teach me this year.
1: It's yeah, that's, it's such, it's a fast play and it's really easy rules.
0: My number eight is underwater cities, which is in your honorable mentions. I absolutely adore this game and really want to get deep with, uh, uh, the expansion. What's it called? Under something new discoveries, new discoveries. Yeah. Um, the, the they have Underwater cities now on uh, yukata.de and i've been playing it on there and playing it solo a bit on there cuz it's a very fun solo game um but yeah i really um they don't have the expansion yet on there but i adore this game i just it's so good it's a really it fe- it it feels a lot like terra mystica i mean sorry a terraforming mars to me but it but it feels like a very different version of it and it 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 does sort of scratches the same itch of this card-based engine building but it's different enough and interesting enough that that it feels like a different game to me. But I, I adore it. I really, it is, it's, a, it's a long beast of a game, but it is wonderful. It is one of my favorite games
1: of all time. And yeah. there was so much attention about, like there was so much press or pr- whatever press, but like so much chatter about the kelp strategy that it really yeah. distracted away from pe- people from the fact that this game is like so much fun, it hurts.
0: Yeah. And uh, you have to play his newest game, Praga
1: oh yes i know um uh and by the way i will say when we did play new discoveries together with elder and i think tom and that was one of my gaming highlights of the year oh so
0: fun that was That was like i think that was like the last game night yeah i think it was one of the anyway. last year number seven nations, Ooh, nations. yeah i
1: love nations and i also have gone whole hog with it i've got nations dynasties and um Lots of asymmetric things going on, huge decks of cards, things that have never been explored on the game for me. Um I never I don't get to play this game enough. And it is so supremely fun and and painful. And uh it's one of my favorites, and I feel like I've been ignoring it and I, I think, you know, I think I'm ready to go deep with it.
0: I feel like we live this is like Beatles and Rolling Stones. You have to either pick nations or through the ages. And I picked Through the Ages, but I, I would like to give nations another try.
1: Uh, through the Ages is great. Um uh I've I've had a really great time with it, but there's something about nations uh that I just I love it. I love it.
0: All right. Well I, I only played it once and I did enjoy it, but not enough as through the ages and it felt like it scratched the same itch, but but let's try it again together. Okay. Uh, my number seven is Brass, Lancashire or Birmingham. Mm. Last week's review—it just deserves so much more play. And I, it's one of those games that I would like to feel like I have fully explored, and I cannot say that yet. And it, it deserves it. Yeah,
1: I don't know why I didn't put that on my list. That's like for sure. That's like that's like how you felt about Maracaibo is how I feel about Brass. Yeah. Just,
0: okay. <laughs> honorable mentions. Honorable
1: mentions. Yeah, like beyond honorable mention. Um, my number six, um, 18XX. I sort of lumped it as one big genre, yep. uh, which is kind of a cheat. No, but um, you'll find many. I have a couple of cheats coming up. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, it, I've been having so much fun exploring it. And I feel like I'm only at the tip of the iceberg, like I said earlier, with the 18 Chesapeake and 1889, sort of don't have it. They're pretty straightforward. And 18 mex and 1860 started to see some funny business. And uh, I am like, excited to dive into like the, the 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 crazier versions where there's like crazy powers and crazy things where a- after this round this happens and this happens and that happens you know um I'm really excited and uh to 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 go down that this path and 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 just explore it all.
0: I love it. Yeah. Um I think you might have uh, I might have one of those later in my list. Oh. Uh my number six is food chain magnet. Um, I have not played the ketchup mechanic expansion yet. If you can believe it, I own it. I, I just, it came out right at the, right when my baby was born and right before the pandemic. And I have never played it. Um, and I would really like to go deep with that this year. That's a great,
1: great option. Um, for, uh, I played. Uh, I I had played Food Chain Magnate for the first time, like when it first came out, and I had actually a very um, like dominant win. And for some reason, I felt reluctant to go back to playing it because I, I played so well that I almost felt right, like right. I didn't want to like taint that. And then I was like, fine, I'm gonna because Tom talked about it so much on the podcast that I was like, okay, I'm gonna play it again. So I played with Tom and Jesse, and he, we played the Ketchup Expansion. And <laughs> I think I ended the game with like about. Five dollars, maybe twenty-five dollars to Tom's like twelve hundred. And I just got utterly destroyed. And that night I went out and I bought Fujian Magnet and the
0: ketchup expansion. Cause it was so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um God, I hope I can play it a lot this year. Um, what is your number five heading into the top five? Five. five. Top five. Uh Fields of Arl. Uh this
1: Woo! is I'm sure I'll be playing with you. This is a Do continue me. Just, just play them all with me. All, I'm going to do them all with you. These are our future dates when we go ballroom dancing. Um, <laughs> the Fields of Arl, uh, you know, I said this on the review, and and, and I'm just going to continue it. There's just, there's so many levers to pull in this game, and it's a slow reveal. The first few times I played Fields of Arl, I thought it was like fine, nothing special. It was fine. And now I just always want to go back and try something else. It's And there's so many, so many paths you can go down uh which normally i'm like it's too open but this it's it's like it's i, I just want to keep trying i want to try different things and on top of that it also has that not only does there not is there like not only is there a strategic depth where you want to try different things but it also has that ritualistic thing where it's like i can imagine you know finding my fields of arl buddy and it's like here's our weekly fields of
0: arl or our monthly fields of yeah. arl game that we do, you know like it i could I'm, be that buddy ben
1: I was sort of hinting at that. It
0: sort could of be hinting. that buddy for you. You know what's what really bums me out is that I bought this game when like a month after T and Trade completely sold out its print run and is now a hundred dollars. Oh that's okay. Uh, annoys me. That's okay. Annoys me. Um my we'll number my number five is on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like to go deep with a lot of VTOL games. So this could also just be VTOL games, but, um, I think on Mars is the one that deserves the most depth. I would re I have Kanban EV sitting on my table set up for solo. Um, but man, I would just want to play that with people. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick a VTOL game, I'm going to go ahead and pick on Mars. Um, I would really like to just play the pants off of on Mars. Yeah. You, uh, you, you and elder taught that to me over break and I, I really loved it. I,
1: I would love to play that again. Yeah.
0: What is your number four?
1: Uh, here's another cheat. It's kind of like a combined, combined category here. Um, I'm saying Twilight Imperium T I four slash forbidden stars, because they're kind of like that same space, you know. These games are so fun. And, but the thing is that they, these do require a full day and I don't care what you say about Forbidden Stars being the more streamlined version. It's not, it takes, it takes 10 to 12 hours. (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. It takes a long time. TI4 takes a long time. They're so fun. And there's some with TI4, there's like a lot of asymmetric powers. And on top of that, there's there in both of them, there's kind of like tech tree stuff going on. There's an actual tech tree in TI4 in Forbidden Stars. There's like a deck that you can build. Yeah. There's so many things you can try and experiment with, and factions. I just kind of want to like play these games over and over and over again, especially Forbidden Stars, which
0: I like. I am upset well. You know, about. I love that game, so I would love to do that with you. As well, well, we could add that onto our uh, bro date. Forbidden I'm gonna Stars. Have to, uh, I'm gonna have to leave do... my family and quit my job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, some people say that Forbidden Stars is best as a two player game. So, you know,
0: just saying. <laughs> um. My number four is 18XX, but I have limited it to two games. Wow. 18 Chess and 1822. I can't wait for 1822. I know. I want those. I picked two 18XXs. I don't care if I play any other 18XXs this whole year, but I would really like to become proficient. I've never played 1822. I want to go deep in it. And I have played 18 Chess a bunch, and I want to play it a bunch more. Uh, I hope eighteen
1: twenty two finds its way onto eighteen uh, xxgames because that 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 way I could play it. Um, it looks like a beast, but it's a beast I am ready for. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, yeah. I don't know when I'll have time to do. Yeah, some someday. So my number
0: three food chain magnate. How about that? Look at that all right? Yeah, everything you said. Yeah, it's great. Everything said. <laughs> my number three imperial struggle uh you will probably hear about it on my top games of the year um i couldn't be more obsessed with it i couldn't love it more um it hasn't replaced uh twilight struggle for me but um but it has also (laughs) because i don't care if i ever play twilight struggle again because all i want to do is play imperial struggle i think it's absolutely genius i think it's near perfection and i think it's the most innovative design of the year yeah, Jesse. I feel like Jesse has been trying to get me to play it, and like I want to. Oh my this god! You a, would die. You would well, die. It is so good.
1: I, well, here's the thing. This is definitely one of those games w- which we also didn't really talk about, where you you want to go deep on it because it's not just to explore the space, but like you just like. You're always gonna lose to the person who oh, knows. the Oh, you have to. Done. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> so, that's like, when you just have to train. But,
0: but you, but only, it'll only take a couple games. Whereas Twilight Struggle, it'll take you 100, 100 games. Yeah. This will take you four. There's something
1: about those games, like Watergate, Twilight Struggle. I have Twilight Struggle, where sometimes it's like what I talked about before, where, like, with Agricola, where it's like, when I play it, I'm like, this game's great, but then the actual, like, I have to summon an energy. I have to, I can't just sit down and play Twilight it. It's different.
0: it's different for this one. It's there. Okay. It, this, this one to me doesn't feel, this is a Euro. This is a big, this is Fields of Arl. This is a big Euro.
1: I, oh, okay. All right. I mean, I, I, I kind of like, I don't believe it's Fields of Arl, but I will <laughs> in in terms really of a, a
0: huge sandbox strategy to explore. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Um, so my number two is Maria. Um, yeah, so this, I, I got this game like three years ago and finally I've, uh, finally got to play it with Paul and Tom like two months ago. And then we started a game and then we didn't finish. We just, I don't know. it sort of just like disappeared into the ether. And then Paul and I played with my friend, Nick, and we played over the course of two nights. We did round one, and then round two. And it was like amazingly fun. And like the, the chatter, the, the chatter that it inspired between the three of us was so entertaining and there was like it was like there was like so much drama that was unfolding on the board and then um it felt like at the end of every round we would finish for the night and i felt like watching a mini series, like tune in tomorrow for maria and then at the end of on night three when we loaded up the mod something happened and all of night two was not saved and so we had to abandon it and it was a it was like a real sad moment because we all were intrigued to see how it was gonna play out um, which is a long way of me saying I can't wait to just really go deep on this game um, and like really like get to know it and maybe even review
0: it. I have never played it. Well, sounds like it's time the for West. a three-way, three-way date. My number two is Terraforming Mars Prelude. Mm. Um, I, I want to play. This is, this to me is now the number one app. This is the app. This is the app to beat. Um, I think it's great and it does a really great job of implementing it. It's still annoying uh, to add a friend. You both have to be online at the same time and then you have to search each other's names out and then, but once you star that person's name, once they're in your friends, it's super easy to start games and play with them forever. It's just, you have to jump through some hoops the first time you become friends. Once you're friends, you're good for life. Um, But yeah, I, I just love Terraforming Mars Prelude and it's one of those games that it's like, so deep and so much going on and so fun at different player counts um so yeah i hope to be playing a lot of that this year
1: terraforming mars is great and i think it's probably for how long the game is and how like heavy it is that's like in that class it's probably the game i've played the most i I feel actually pretty fortunate that that's a game i have gone deep with um maybe not with prelude but um uh but i feel fortunate that i've had a lot of plays of terraforming mars and i look forward to to more and more and more terraforming mars is just a classic it's great yeah yeah what is your number one my number one this is the reason why i came up with this idea because it's basically all basically about my number one here the number one game that i want to go deep on deep with like real deep like so deep <laughs> that i'm going to come out the other side uh, it's roads and boats that's the oh, one! Wow, amazing! Yeah, roads and boats, roads and boats. I still I, have never played it.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I know we have, we have, we have a have lot problems. of
1: dates. We have a lot of we, dates
0: lined I should up. Probably quit this podcast and just play <laughs> four games. <laughs> roads and boats.
1: Um, I well, I've only I played it. Uh, I think two or three times. Um, uh, uh and like the first time was with tom and trey and we had like uh we played like a like a two or three hours worth and then we had to stop i played with elder and alfred was sort of like a learning game maybe i played another another time i don't remember but in both time both times i had so much fun i loved the idea of like building up this logistical network and i want to get to the point where i like all the all the things are intuitive. Like I know that oh it requires this many planks to do this and that. And like where you're playing on that high level where you're not just like creating the roads or the whatever. You're just like you're just like playing at that level that that special place that comes when you when you understand the game and then you're not playing you're not playing to like figure
0: out the game, you're playing to yeah. Play with yeah, your yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's so funny because like I've read the rule book, I've watched a playthrough and I don't get it. It's just like, I can't, it won't click. I'm like, I'm still struggling to figure out what the hell the game is. So I, I need to play it in order to just, I just, I, I, I for some reason I can't grok it. I'm like, I, what's the game here? What am I doing? You're just, I mean, you're kind of like racing a little bit.
1: You're racing. Yeah. Okay. I um, a solo play. I actually, I actually dabbled with a sol- the solo. I, you know, I don't do solo yeah. very often, but I, uh, there are these, um, I'm blanking on their names. Uh, this, uh, this, Two women. They do videos on BGG. Uh, they're Australian and they're lovely and wonderful. And they did actually a great video about roads and boats about two weeks ago, where they talked about what the game is, but they really got into like the experience of it and what they liked and and like the, the 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 little
0: stories that they had, like like oh she went here and then I tried to do this. Oh, and um, I think Thinker Themer is the name of their yeah. They're they're really they Amy they do and Maggie. Work. Amy
1: and Maggie. They do great work. And that video, I think, will probably inspire you to go uh, play with the solo mode, as as I did. And I think with the solo mode, you'll start to see um, the appeal. And this would be God. I wish Roads and Boats had an implementation, like a, some semi automated thing. It would be wonderful because it's so fiddly. But it,
0: yeah, I want to play it. All right. Yeah. Well, add that to my list as well. Um, ben, do you know my number one? I bet you can figure it out. Not complicated. Hey, Agricola is my number one for all the reasons we talked about before. I want to become the number one Agricola player in the Lord world. Farmer, <laughs> No, I, I, I do not have a chance of doing that. But I would like to become a proficient Agricola player. And I hope to play it more than any other game this year. That's good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good's your better and your better's your best. <laughs> um, that was awesome. That was really fun. Uh, we're going long, but I think we have time for one game Smalier. And then we have a little letter we can read from somebody else as well. Sometimes a player just got to know. Okay. Uh, This is from Alex. In a time of massive campaign games, adventure games that have replayable scenarios seem to be a lot less prevalent. So I come to you, dear sommeliers, for suggestions. The main criteria are that it should give a sense of adventure, not be a campaign game. Be co-op. And scenario should be replayable. That is a tall order. Uh, if spoilers are a thing, then it's not what I'm looking for here. Some in the genre which I like are Robinson Crusoe, Subterra, Descent. One can argue if it fits. Mage Knight and Zombicide, Black Plague. I also like Mansions of Madness too, but it kind of falls into game with spoiler territory for me. Some I've played which I didn't like: Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror, both too long for what it is and not enough decisions. Elder Sign, not enough adventure feel. Order of the Stick, Betrayal on the House of the Hill, The Haunt Malfunctions Too Often, and Zombies. Which of these heavy hitters and lesser-known gems of the genre would you recommend to look into? Thank you so much, Alex from Sweden. Um, I have a strong recommendation, but do you have anything, Ben? This is kind of out of my... This is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I'm not going to lie.
1: I'm not really that into these adventure games um, or campaign games. I mean, the closest I get is like Dead of Winter, which I actually right, love. Right, right. Um, and or like TI4, <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, basically this is not my area.
0: So Alex's criteria are gives a sense of adventure is not a campaign game is oh. co-op and scenario should be replayable. My friend, you have to a T described too many bones. That is what too many, that's all it is. That is literally all it is. It's not a campaign game. It has a of adventure. It's co-op and the scenarios are replayable. That's it. That's it. You did it. That's that they made it for that's you. Perfect. It's called too many bones. It costs like $4,000 <laughs> and uh, it takes up a room in your house. Enjoy. That's all I got to yeah, say.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like I wonder in terms of, I know this isn't totally what he's asking for, but in terms of a co-op that I really like which can feel adventurous, <laughs> maybe not. Uh I actually really love Pandemic Rising Tide, which is Ooh. a um it's I know it's not really adventurous, but if you're looking for a good uh co-op, uh you know, I think it's actually it's my favorite Pandemic. Um and actually like the I think one of the designers is one of the Splatter guys and uh it's 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 pretty brutal, but I think it's really fun and feels really immersive. Like you really feel like you're holding back these these waters. And I feel like it's been a
0: very overlooked co-op. No, that's great. fun. Yeah, I've never I've never tried it at all. Yeah, that's uh, good. Another potential recommendation would be Arkham Horror the card game, which I think is very fun as well. Mm. Um, lastly, I'm just going to we, we rarely get follow ups to our sommeliers, but we got a follow up here. Hi, Game Brainers. I wanted to write and thank you. Uh, For the game sommelier recommendations, I also thought there might be some value in providing feedback on the results of those recommendations. After all, doesn't a master sommelier want to know that their patrons ultimately preferred a box wine chardonnay served with an ice cube? Okay, maybe not, but your picks were very much on point with one small wrinkle. Lorenzo is a hit so far. The spouse liked it enough to overlook my initial misinterpretation of the third excommunication tile proceeding to a close win on our first play. The reception of Santorini has been a bit more complicated. Her spatial logic skills are exceptionally keen. As a result, when we played our first game without any god power, she trounced me effortlessly. I don't know if anyone has analyzed the fewest possible moves to win, but our play surely approached the lower bound. She completely lost interest in that game. Of course, this result indicates that the recommendation was solid, but I failed to introduce it Properly. I should have known that without at least the simplest God cards, the game would lack sufficient challenge for someone so spatially adept. She's reluctantly agreed to give it another try with the god cards at some future date. Maybe we'll see. Anyway, thank you again for taking the time to lend us your expertise and for continuing to put your excellent podcast, to put out your excellent podcast. We also very much enjoyed Love and Monsters and were even harder to please when it comes to cinema. Thank you very much. Here's wishing you a safe and happy 2021. Best regards, Ben. That was very kind. That was very kind. Well, Ben, this, Ben as well, was a pleasure um, and a joy today. It was. It. We have
1: a lot of a lot of dates
0: to, we have, to line up now. Uh, I hope this uh, pandemic doesn't end because uh, th- my only chance of playing games is uh, online and getting this all done with you. And by the way, I definitely hope this pandemic ends.
1: Uh, yeah, that'll, that, that'll be my favorite date was when the
0: pandemic is over. But I don't have time to go outside. I got board games to play with you. Quit your job. Quit your job. You know, I'll just retire at 42,
1: retire at 42. And then, uh, we can play fields of Arl and forbidden stars and roads and boats and Arkwright. It's just right. going to be a blast.
0: Tom and I have often talked about like our goal for retirement is just to all move into a retirement house together and just play board games 12 hours a day <laughs> until we're dead. I'm it'd be a dream. I'm in, I'm in. That's it. We just oh, all moved to like some Florida giant, you know, community center and just play board games from like you know 80 to 100 god willing and and that's it call it a wrap. Uh, i would lo- i really would love that <laughs> <laughs> i would be happy with that it sounds totally fine um all right well thank you so much ben and uh everyone out there enjoy your week You've been listening to the Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for incredible music. You might know them as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com. On Twitter, GameBrain underscore pod. Uh, Instagram is at GameBrainPod. Thanks for listening. And go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games. Adieu.